Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Thanksgiving edition of the Skewed and Reviewed Skewed Cast. Going to be doing things a little differently uh, this week with the holidays, a little bit of a shorter show, a little bit of a different format. Uh, Justin is tied up getting holiday stuff taken care of with his family. Michael has been kind enough to take a little time out to get uh, on the show and do this. So for those of you who are not familiar, you can catch us online at sknr.net as we cover all things movies, games, television, travel, entertainment, pop culture, and more. You can also catch our game reviews at Pinal Central. That is P-I-N-A-L central.com. Keyword skewed, which is a network of newspapers that uh, something like 12 papers now in 21 markets. We also have our quarterly magazine. We're getting the next one ready. Skewed and reviewed. The magazine should be out in a couple of weeks. And, of course, you can catch me on BJ Shea's Geek Nation, uh, both on their social media pages, on their web shows, and we simulcast on our page. And we're also seen at all kinds of places like Open Critic, Sci-Fi Radio, and more. So, as I said, we have uh, Thanksgiving coming up for those of you that um, – are in the states and if you're outside of the u.s i know canada had theirs in october but we have uh traditionally the holiday gift guide and we do have a version right now we're going to be launching the online one uh, as you hear this it'll already be up we will be adding to it through the end of the year we'll have our magazine version out in a couple of weeks and then right before uh the holidays we will probably do one more updated version of the um online ones. So I'll go through it real quick. And then Michael and I have some great entertainment topics to discuss. So we're going to start off with gaming. Uh, the titles, we have Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3. I'm really enjoying it, despite what people have said with some uh, reviews. It actually has set a record for the most engagement of any of the recent Call of Duty Modern Warfare games. Had a lot of fun uh, with that. For people looking to gather with the family, there is a console version of Uno out, which is a lot of fun. Uh, Lego 2K Drive for the kids. For sports fans, there's PGA Tour 2K23 and NBA 2K24. For those looking for uh, gifts for the year round, don't forget annual passes. We have uh, SeaWorld, Knott's Berry Farm, and Universal Studios as uh, ones that we're looking at. People said, well, why isn't Disneyland on there? Simply because right now their annual passes are limited to renewals only for existing members, not new passes. Switching over to the tech side of things, Rico has got a fantastic portable monitor that uh, people on the go will definitely love. We're looking forward to using that at CES coming up not too long from now. Uh, Turtle Beach Stealth Pro, the headsets I'm using, multi-system, work on everything, PC, consoles, uh, Bluetooth, uh, come with two batteries, fantastic audio quality, really enjoy these, and uh, completely wireless. Rig is back in the mix. They've got the 600 Pro HX and the 900 Max HX. For those that are into fighting games, I know we had MK1 come out earlier this year. We have a new Tekken game coming. Dark Matter has a really nice fight stick that's available. And for people looking for uh, just basically air quality and sensor upgrades, View Emporia has a really nice uh, sensor bundle as well as an air quality monitor. People who are big into tennis, golf, uh, Swing Vision has a really nice setup that you work and you use it with an app on your phone, have at it, really improve things. 
Uh, Gunner Optics has uh, really stepped up. They We're going to be having a meeting with them pretty soon before CES and at the show. For those who don't know, they do high-quality glasses that reduce the glare on computers and screens. Well, you can also get your prescription added to them. And uh, they have uh, Gunner Optics has a Assassin's Creed, Call of Duty, Spider-Man, all kinds of topics. Uh, if you want just traditional ones, you can have that. You can choose the style you want. You can choose the type of lensing. Uh, for those who are into collectible figures, we have Gentle Giant Diamond Select. We recommend the Indiana Jones Jumbo figure, the Ahsoka Tano Premier Collector statue, and the Pacific Rim anniversary set which was featured at san diego comic-con uh, we also recommend the collections at factory entertainment everything from jaws to star trek the next generation aquaman men in black and more they've got some really great stuff um, all the way up to some really high-end options dungeons and dragons fans uh, the current one that we're really pushing right now uh, is, or they're pushing right now is the deck of many things. There's um, some really fantastic sets out there and some new ones coming. Funko has a DC advent calendar. So if you want to take part in the lead up to the holidays, uh, they have that. Uh, little DC figures pop one loose every single day. There's also some great Funko Halloween, uh, excuse me, Halloween holiday figures. Uh, you got everything from Fuzzy the Bear, Kermit the Frog, Deadpool, Scrooge, Done Up, and Holiday Regalia. Uh, gel blasters, if you're looking for a little bit of fun around the place, uh, these fire gel cartridges. Uh, they're available in uh, pistol and um, rifle form we got a chance to play similar things at san diego comic-con last few years and those were fantastic other things that we wanted to point out were some food items which are always good this type of year there's woe dough which if you want uh, some healthier treats they're fantastic tidbits meringues uh, look stand for placing your electronics. One thing that Jen has really enjoyed, Jen being my wife, is these things called Fresh Meals, F-R-E-S-H-E, and they're like high-quality tuna and seafood dishes in a can. And you open them up, put them on a salad, put them on rice, put them on noodles, that sort of thing, and she said they're absolutely fantastic. I'm not a fan of uh, fancy seafood like that, so I have not personally tried them, but she has. She loves them. Uh, Black Sheep CBD Meringues and uh, also nice series of cookbooks out. We've got everything from Pokemon to Apex Legends to Diablo for those looking for some themed uh, cooking ideas. So that is the first wave. We're going to have a lot more in the not too distant future. And for now, wanted to swing over to Michael. Let's talk about some entertainment news and all the great things that have been going on in the last few days. And let's start off with the big news out of Lucasfilm about uh, Dave Filani, who was known for the animation, who has uh, recently moved over to some live-action Star Wars, has been named the chief creative officer for Lucasfilm. And uh, this was followed up with news that uh, Daisy Ridley has said the new Star Wars film that she's attached to is not what she expected, and many people are saying that she's actually pleasantly surprised with what they have in mind. So, Michael, what do you make of all this? Yeah, that's pretty exciting news. I mean, I think um, Dave Filoni has had, you know, a pretty good history with um, Star Wars in general. 
Um, and, and I think just generally speaking, it's a good, it's a bit of, a, it's, I wouldn't say it's a mix-up, but it is kind of an interesting development, we'll, which will hopefully kind of bring this in to the, you know, kind of move it in the right direction. You know, the Star Wars franchise um, has been a little hit or miss over the past several years. I mean, um, Ahsoka turned out to be really good, uh, Mandalorian, but I know there were some other, um, you know, some of the lot, the movies haven't really uh, struck a chord with everybody. So it'll be it's an interesting way to, to kind of mix things up and just kind of see um, where it takes us. You know, the, the Daisy Ridley thing, that's a very interesting. We'll, we'll definitely be um, looking forward to hearing more about that um, as the months come along. Um, I, You know, she's she's one of those characters that not really um, her fault, but has been kind of a. Uh, you know, kind of has has been kind of a, a mixed feelings with a lot of fans. Uh, I think a lot of the, a lot of a lot of it because they, you know, people tend to take her character and 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 how they feel about the uh, the sequel trilogy uh, without actually, you know, I, I don't know if that if it's been well deserved uh, the way they've kind of been treating her about it. But it will be interesting to see what what that means. Uh, for the franchise and, and where that's going to go. So, yeah, a lot of pretty interesting news as far as Star Wars is concerned. Yeah, it's going to be very, very interesting to see where they go from there. And I think, you know, as we're getting into the new year, you're seeing a lot of stuff where Hollywood's getting back to normal. And uh, obviously it's going to be a new normal for now. We've already talked about shortened TV series, latent, late um debuts and stuff like that but we're hearing a lot of stuff i mean we've heard toy story 5 is coming along we've heard uh frozen 3 and 4 are in the works and now we're getting all kinds of news like we had news that blue bloods the long-running cbs show with tom Selleck is being canceled um or not renewed call it what you will uh young sheldon is not being renewed La Brea is going to end with a shortened season three and you had things like the rookie feds isn't going forward, but for a second season, but the rookie itself is continuing. And it, it's very interesting because you, you know, it seems like every day we turn on uh, the, you know, schedule and we steep, we keep getting more and more stuff saying, okay, this is being canceled. This is coming back. This is on hold. This is coming back. Uh, this may not be coming back. Uh, we had news the other day that was kind of surprising to people that they're going to move uh, Family Guy off the Sunday night animation block and stick it to Wednesday, but keep the other animated shows, New and Old, Simpsons, Bob's Burgers, so on and so forth, on Sunday, but move other things with it. Now, whether or not this is a long-term thing, short-term, who knows? In the midst of all of this, we got news that British actor Nicholas Holt um, – is going to be playing Lex Luthor in James Gunn's upcoming Superman Legacy. And it's very interesting because they have, um, you know, a lot of stories said he was in line to play Batman uh, before Pattinson got the role. So it's very interesting that he's staying within the DC family. They have some interesting um People already in place, David Cornsweat, you have Emily, uh, Rachel Brunson already on involved, involved, uh, you know, Nathan Fillion, so on and so forth. Uh, so, Michael, what do you make of this? 
Yeah, so that's that's pretty interesting. I mean, Nicholas Holt's done some pretty good stuff. I mean, he's had his X Men um, in X Men First Class. Uh, I know he. I, I thought he did pretty well in that. And he's been in quite a few. I wouldn't say he's not necessarily in a lot of necessarily uh, superhero type films, but he does have that experience. Uh, you know, he's also done some uh, video game act, uh, voice acting, stuff like that. Um, so yeah, it'll be really interesting. I, you know, I, I'm always a little bit hesitant when it comes to DC because uh, because they've been known to cast based on uh, names versus casting on who would actually who fans might envision as that role. Uh, but as we kind of talked about, I think last week with Rob Pattinson, you know, I wasn't a big fan of him doing the Batman, and then that movie turned out to be. Um, I think one of the one of the better of the DC movies, granted standalone, not part of the uh, DC verse that they've been trying to to push. But um, but the, but with you know with odds and ends with some of the the casting, it's been kind of off and on with them. Um, I think you'll do a, a fantastic job in that role. Uh, I think what will really be the the key is what does the script do for him and and what you know how how do they bring that character to life? You know, is it going to be a um, obviously it's going to be kind of a young Lex Luthor, uh, role kind of thing. And, I, and so I think it's, you know, it, it's yet to be seen. Uh, but I'm not, you know, I, I'm never one to, uh, to doubt their casting choices because I've been wrong in the past. So it'll be really interesting to see how they, they bring this to life and, and, and what that ends up being in the, you know, the long term. Yeah, there's just so many questions right now. Uh, we talked about something off the air before we started with the shakeup with the upcoming seventh Scream film. And essentially, for those of you who don't know, one of the cast members uh, had made some comments online that was basically considered to be insensitive toward the current conflict in the Middle East. And she uh, was reportedly removed from it. That's Melissa Barrera. Today, we got news that Jenna Ortega has said that she's exiting the film due to um, schedule conflicts with um, the the second season of uh, Wednesday, which is going to be filmed over on in uh, Ireland. And now we just had word come down the pipe that while the film was going ahead, they are essentially treating it like a creative reboot. And uh, in doing so, they're taking the writer. He's going to look over it and see which set pieces will still work, set it up, uh, maybe bring some people back, but also look at new protagonists. And this is really interesting in the fact that um, Nev Campbell had chosen not to return to this version over a salary dispute. Some people are saying, well, you just got the two leads out of the film that frees up money, pay Nev Campbell and, you know, any other survivors that are around, bring them back, roll it in with new characters, keep the franchise going. I personally think no matter what they do, it's going to continue to do well because, you know, it had a huge hiatus between three and four, uh, had a big gap between four and five, but no gap at all between five and six and the money kept rolling in. So, Michael, what do you make of all this? Well, I think one nice thing about the timing is at least it's early, so they still have an opportunity to kind of pivot. Um, I think it would have been a lot more difficult if they were already in the process of you know, shooting or were in the process of um, finalizing what they were going to do. So uh, on the one hand, it's it's good that they're able to, to pivot and, and come up with a new 
strategy and what they're gonna they're going to do. One of the things about the the Scream franchise is um, there are still some you know major characters that they could potentially bring back. Uh, and there, and Scream has never been known been a franchise known for not utilizing newer leads. Um, there's always been a, a continuity with some of the um, previous characters who have been brought back into the mix. But, you know, it's never been one where they haven't had new leads that have been able to take the mantle uh, over the time. So I don't necessarily think this is going to be a huge um, thing one way or the other. I think it just gives them an opportunity to, again, reassess where the story was going and maybe a, a creative reboot or or pivoting away from those characters and going, you know, with some of the older characters if they're able to do that or or they can, you know, get around some of those um, the financial aspects of it. It's not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, so again, it's it's still early. Uh, you know, I, I again, I if this there the timing on this could have been worse. Uh, so I think given where they're at with that, um, with the plans to get you know filming and with with the characters in general, based on uh, you know some rewrites they're going to have to do obviously and and maybe take the take it into a, in a different direction than they originally planned. But I don't think ultimately it's going to be the end all for screen when it comes down to it. So speaking of creative reboots, we had news the other day that a PS5 version of The Last of Us Part 2 is going to be coming in January. It will be upgradable uh, for $10 for those who currently own uh, the PS4 version of it. Uh, However, let's play devil's advocate with this. It's due January 19th. Uh, We'll apply to digital and physical disc owners. Uh, but essentially, you have to have it installed or insta- install the PS4 disc, go from there, so on and so forth. Now, a lot of people say, okay, look, we put The Last of Us out on the PS3. It was one of the last really big titles for the PS3. They upgraded it for the PS4, no problem. Then they upgraded it again, and we got the PC version. Now they're doing the same thing to the PS4 released version of The Last of Us 2, bringing it up to 5 We've heard all these rumors. We've heard projects stopped and starting. A lot of people are saying, well, okay, this is all nice, but why don't you put your effort into getting us new content? We heard about this online thing that was in the works that got scrapped. Uh, we can't, you know, we hear rumors, but there that a script has been written for the third one. Then you hear, nope, nope, nothing. You know, the only thing we know for sure is they're getting ready to film the new season of the TV series, which will probably uh be broken into two uh different seasons what do you think of this michael good news or is this just stalling for time Uh, yeah i don't know i mean now we're starting to get into so ps3 to ps4 graphically there was a a, kind of a large i wouldn't say large but there was a, a noticeable gap not like it was with the ps2 to the ps3 era but there was still there the difference between the ps4 and the ps5 um yeah, and again, I mean, I understand they're only going to charge ten dollars for people who own it already, which is fine. Um, but it, but yeah, but I just can't imagine the remaster is going to be that look that much different between the PS4 and the PS5 uh, version. Because again, we're you know we're talking about a game that uh, is is not that old. Uh, and again, the 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 biggest differences between the PS4 and the PS5 when you're looking at some of the content are things like, you know, shaders and, and 
you know, the, gra the graphic and, you know, performance more or less than anything. Even some of the, uh, you know, I've got, I've played both the uh, Borderlands 3 PS4 version and PS5 version, um, switching back and forth. And I'll be honest, I can't tell the difference between the two. Um, Last of Us 2, yeah, it'll it'll look a little bit prettier. Again, they'll update some textures. They'll um, add some lighting effects. But I think people who have played it would be really hard-pressed to play through it again on PS5. And again, I, I think charging $10 for a remaster, you know, I guess, I guess that's fine. Um, it's one of those things where you almost think that they should give free um, upgrades to PS4 owners who have it and then sell the PS5 version um, to those who haven't played it. Because again, I'll be honest, I wouldn't, I wouldn't see any reason to go play through it again just to see how the PS5 version differs. I, I really think unless you're comparing side by side, I think it would be really hard pressed to tell the difference. I think this is probably because they want to cash in on the new season uh, of, you know, Last of Us for on HBO, which is fine. Great show. I'm, I understand that's what they're doing. And, but and they're looking for a way to um, continue to, to drive that, what, what they've got out of there. And again, there's a lot less effort that has to go in it. And it could be even worse because what we've seen with, um, you know, because Naughty Dog doesn't do the PC ports. They, I think they actually uh, farm that out to somebody else. Uh, but the PC ports of a lot of those Sony games have not been spectacular. Um, and, and honestly, they would have probably been better off putting the resources in doing a Last of Us 2 uh, remastered slash PC release and doing it that way as opposed to doing a remaster. Because what we're going to probably see is Last of Us 2 on PC and then another Last of Us 2, or I can see them doing a Last, the Last of Us one and two combo remaster thing. Uh, I, I again, I think it's. I, I unfortunately, this is. I think putting a lot of bad taste in people's mouths based on what Sony did with a lot of the initial Last of Us. I don't see that improving with this. Again, I think you know if you're if you're a PlayStation owner and have not for whatever reason played The Last of Us two, um, then obviously there are new 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 people that are going to get that opportunity on PlayStation five. But I think the majority of, of PlayStation owners who have played it, I really don't see them going back and replaying the difference between four and five, honestly. Yeah, I mean, it's a fantastic game, but we also have to remember it's very long. It is brutal. It is very dark in some places. And I'm sorry, there's just too many new games right now or things that I'm trying to get to. I still have books to read. Um, we're at that review time of year where we're getting the last of the you know, movies for the theatrical release. And we're also getting hit up with all those four-year consideration things that want you to screen them, uh, television stuff, all of that. I don't have time to devote 20 plus hours going back down the rabbit hole to something that I've already done. Like you said, just to see what the cosmetic upgrades look like. It's not going to drastically change the, uh, you know, the game, the outcome, that sort of thing. So, uh, We'll just have to write it out and then see what happens. I mean, if you have not played it yet, sure, absolutely, it's a grand idea. But, yeah, go figure. 
another disturbing thing goes back to 1978. Uh, Star Wars fans who were around then will remember the Star Wars holiday special that aired on a Friday night. I remember very clearly my parents uh, wanted to go out to dinner. I wanted to stay home. This, of course, was in the days before the VHS and the DVRs were all over the place. They assured me that we'd be home in time to watch it. I remember service was slow when we got home about 20 minutes into the thing. And I sat down in front of the TV and watched every bit of it. And even at my youth at the time, I was absolutely horrified how they took Star Wars and turned it into uh, song and dance versions with popular TV stars of the day, as well as clips from the movie and uh, acts like Jefferson Starship. You know, the highlight for me to this day still was the animated part that introduced um, Boba Fett. And uh, it was so bad, folks. They never showed it again. They never released it on DVD. There are bootlegs out there. You can see it on YouTube and stuff. But now, Michael, we have a documentary coming out called A Disturbance in the Force. It is a partly comedic behind-the-scenes documentary about the Star Wars holiday special. It will be coming out digitally and on disc on December 5th. It will also play in select theaters in the U.S., U.K., and Australia. And uh, it, it had a debut at south by southwest but uh yeah uh, you know two hour special 1978 13 million people turned in and it has become a thing of legend on how bad it was what's your curiosity level on this zero i mean i i've watched it on youtube somewhat recently because I, I wanted to remind myself how bad it was because i hadn't seen it in its entirety in a long time and I really struggled to get through the first 10, 15 minutes of it. Um, you know, it's one of those things where, I mean, maybe from a, a curiosity standpoint, but if they're going to, if it's the behind the scenes, but you still got to watch the whole thing in, in the process, uh, you know, uh, well, if it, when it comes to Disney plus, I'll probably watch it. I can't imagine paying money for it. Honestly, I'm um, even as an, uh, avid star wars fan and collecting everything and anybody who hasn't seen it if they think any of the prequels or sequels are even close to what a mess it is then they clearly haven't seen it i mean it's not even from a nostalgia perspective i really wanted to watch it and really really wanted to try to get through it again and and even my from a curiosity perspective because i hadn't seen it all the way through it, it it was rough going and and again i i i guess i'd be kind of curious about the behind the scenes but i don't know that i'm that curious about the behind the scenes so it certainly won't be and again maybe there are people who enjoy going to see it because of how bad it is and are willing to pay to go see it because of how bad it is um i'm just not one of those people i don't think uh, you know i maybe i'd be surprised buy it but but the reality is when it comes on streaming i'll probably force myself to go through it but then i can take it i can stop it and i can go do other things and i can come back to it later um sitting through a two-hour presentation at a theater and you know i can imagine there's gonna be lots of people there dressed up and there are a bunch of people there are going to be you know joking and laughing and maybe the audience part of it would make it fun but watching it <laughs> Even if it's it's in its entirety, even with behind the scenes stuff, I just don't think I could do it. 
No, and you know that's the thing. I I would be curious from the aspect of I'd love to see the part uh, where they come in and say, okay, you know, the studio allowed us to have this, but they wouldn't let us do this. You know, how much George Lucas was truly involved, uh, how much of this, you know, who thought, okay, let's have Art Carney and B. Arthur do musical numbers and then let's have them backed by Jefferson Starship uh, doing another number was a grand idea. I mean, truthfully, like I said, for me, the Boba Fett footage was great. And there were a few uh, like little newsreel type things that they did where they had some deleted scenes from the movie in 78. You know, anything new Star Wars was great. Remember, we couldn't watch it on cable at that time. We couldn't uh, own the video or anything like that. So that was the big deal. But wow, I mean, that was bad. And it took two years after that till we got Empire and everything was right in the world again. But crazy. So wrapping things up with the strikes over, we are getting back to normal and uh, we had the Comic-Con ticket sales last week, San Diego Comic-Con open seats. They sold out. They went through that. Those of you who haven't had a chance to get your tickets, there'll be the various eBay auctions for charity and stuff coming up. But um, interestingly enough, uh, Brazil Comic-Con is coming up. Late next week. That's kind of crazy. We've got a major convention coming up already. And, you know, for those of you who don't know, the Brazil Comic Con has been really rising in status the last few years. They've had some really big announcements come out of it. They've had big name stars. Yeah, I remember Tom Holland, several of the people, they fly down there to San Paulo, uh, Sao Paulo, excuse me, and do it right. And we've got word that Warner Brothers is going all in and they're bringing the stars from both Dune Part 2 and the Mad Max spinoff Furiosa next week. And there's going to be a panel and stars Anna Taylor Joy and Chris Hemsworth are going to be taking part in it. And uh, also we got uh, panels for Godzilla uh, and Kong, the new empire, Dune part two, Aquaman, the lost kingdom. And we're told, uh, you know, very similar to like we get at CinemaCon, Timothy Chalamet, Zendaya, Austin Butler, Florence Pugh, Jason Momoa, Patrick Wilson, and more are going to be on hand. So, Michael, what do you make of that one? Well, yeah, as you mentioned, I mean, for those who aren't aware, Brazil Brazil Comic Con has has risen in status to a level of New York Comic Con. I wouldn't say it's SDCC level, but it's they they have usually made quite a few announcements. Uh, it has a huge following, um, and I just remember it kind of came out of nowhere um, several years ago, and, and has really become uh, a, a showcase for a lot of new things. And this being you know since the 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 strikes have ended, the actor strike and the writer strike, since these things have recently ended, this is kind of the the biggest show that we've had since that event. And so I would imagine anything along the lines of stuff that we missed um, earlier in the year where they couldn't attend shows, they couldn't do a lot of promotion, uh, you know, particularly like Dune 2. I mean, well, Dune, the sequel, part one, part two, um, uh, being, you know, probably one of the biggest films that's going to be coming out post-strike early next year. Yeah, this will be an opportunity for them to do a lot of announcements and a lot of in-person things that they've been, you know, squirreling away for the past four months plus uh and again that's not to say that brazil comic-con wouldn't have been huge without the strike it certainly would have there's always 
you know, okay, and there's, it's amazing the type of news that comes out of it. Uh, but I think this year in particular, with all the, the announcements, all the sneak peeks, all the um, uh, stars who are actually having an opportunity to now promote stuff that's upcoming and, and that sort of thing, I think we're going to see lots of big news come out of Brazil Comic Con. Again, because we don't really have um, any any real big cons that are between now and the end of the year. And this is really their opportunity to showcase what they've missed the past four months. So I expect there will be quite a big, quite a bit of announcements there. Yeah, absolutely. Because we have um, we have WonderCon at the end of March, and then we have um, obviously when you get into April, we're going to have CinemaCon and get the looks at stuff. CinemaCon though is not necessarily where they make reveals this is more of a some sometimes reveals but mostly it's stuff that's already been announced but this is our first look at it and so or a deeper look at it so it'll be very interesting to see what they have because remember the whole idea behind CinemaCon is these are the movies that are coming to your cinema very soon let's have a look at them and get excited and by the way here's the cast you know it, it's funny because I just got uh, press invites the last couple of days for both Wonka and for the color purple. And as I was confirming up that we would be coming to the screenings, I remember very clearly watching the Warner Brothers presentation and the color purple was what they kicked things off with. I remember the Wonka one. I remember seeing the stuff for uh, Dune part two and all of this. And so it will be very interesting to see where everything goes. Well, folks, I want to thank you so much for uh, spending some time with us today on the holiday weekend for those that are celebrating. And I hope the rest of it goes really well. And we will talk to you next week. Hopefully we'll have Justin back in the mix and we'll be doing everything as we normally do. Until then, everybody, take care. Talk to you soon. We had signed off, but thankfully Justin was able to make an appearance and since this is the Thanksgiving show we wanted to get him in uh justin michael and i have discussed brazil comic-con which is coming up next week we had talked about how it has risen in status to a few years ago we didn't even really know about it and then all of a sudden tom holland and all these big name people went they make a lot of uh reveals if i remember correctly they did the re uh, the big trailer for indiana jones and lots of other films there recently well, now we've got word that Dune Part 2, Furiosa, are going to be there with the cast and creatives. And we're also being told that uh, Godzilla, X-Kong, New Empire, and Aquaman, The Last Kingdom, The Lost Kingdom are going to be there. Uh, very curious to see what other studios will show up. What's your take on this, and what do you think we might see? Uh, not just from these films, but for possibly other studios. Yeah, that's a good question. I I, um, I think it's a, an interesting opportunity just because now that the uh, the strikes have mostly been resolved, it, it kind of allows a lot of the studios to you know kick open the uh, the marketing, as it were. So, um, I mean, even just Dune to Part Two on its own, I think that's very exciting. At least for me, that's probably my number one movie. I'm looking forward to also. You know more in the MonsterVerse. Definitely interested in seeing what's going on with the new Kong movie. Um, as far as other studios, that's that's it's uh, it's difficult to kind of gauge. I don't think Marvel last time 
really t made much of a uh, had much of involvement with Brazil Comic Con, and I, I would imagine they would probably save most of their um, their content, at least Star Wars and Marvel, for for their own shows. Um, but definitely a good opportunity for you know Legendary to show off what they're doing. Um, maybe we'll see some um, some uh, some news on some of the more like the horror movies and things like that. Um, but definitely Dune 2, that's, that's, that's pretty huge. And anything from, um, from Warner Brothers, I, I think that'll also be pretty exciting to see. I, obviously we have Warner Brothers. I think there's a possibility we might get some Disney stuff. Being a Comic-Con thing, um, Marvel naturally stands to, uh, be present. We had the, um, trailer recently for Madam Web. We've had the trailer for Craven the Hunter. We know that filming is resumed on Venom 3, uh, but we're also hearing rumors that the new Captain America film is not going as well as they'd hoped and massive reshoots are underway. Uh, I think we're going to see some Marvel. We talked earlier in the show before you were able to join about Nicholas Holt being cast as Lex Luthor and some of the casting for the Superman film. Um, and then Michael brought up a good point going... This is it, Hollywood-wise, until um, WonderCon and before and CinemaCon. We talked about San Diego Comic-Con already being sold out. There's going to be a lot of people looking at this. I'm curious. We had the trailer recently for the new Ghostbusters film. I am wondering that uh, are people going to kind of take a wait and see and that we need more time? Or are they going to say, hey, the strike's over. Let's throw everything we can at it and get as much publicity out as uh, we can, can at the end of the year. So a lot of very interesting stuff indeed. Uh, before we wrap up, since this is an additional segment, is there anything else that you wanted to talk about from the recent news uh, or uh, make comments on, Justin? And, uh, what you talked about earlier about the, the casting choices, um for the Superman movie, but definitely very interesting. Uh, I was talking with a, a friend recently about um, there's strong implications that, uh, that they're going to be kind of folding in, um, you know, different uh, properties that uh, haven't really been, had uh, um, representation on the screen before. So that's definitely going to be interesting. Um, so uh, that's probably one to, to watch. Um, that, that's going to be pretty exciting. The final thing I wanted to get your opinion on, Michael and I discussed this, was the announcement of Dave Filani being chief creative officer at Lucasfilm. Yeah, and I think that makes sense. I think, you know, if you kind of look at the trajectory of Star Wars since Disney uh, purchased the, the rights to Star Wars, um, I really think Dave Filoni's involvement has been the most successful. It's, it's certainly been the best received. Um, and probably the least controversial. Um, he has a really good eye for, um, for, for uh, what elements to kind of bring in, and, and I, I think his approach um, kind of is a little more in line with with what Kevin Feige kind of does with, with Marvel, in that uh, Dave Filoni is able to kind of pluck some of the things from the old uh, canons, um, a lot of that work and kind of like retool it and, and uh, you know obviously he had a lot of experience working within the old canon before uh, Disney purchased uh, Star Wars so he's he's been on a roll and so I, I think it makes sense you know a lot of his 
works have been pretty successful lately. So to kind of promote him upward, I think that's probably a good move. Absolutely, especially, you know, him and Favreau. And as I told Michael, Daisy Ridley apparently came out and said uh, the new movie that she's attached to is not what she was expecting going in. Some people are saying it's a pleasant surprise for her. So hopefully good things ahead. And, folks, that is going to do it for us. We did our wrap-up earlier, so thank you, Justin, for coming on. Have a great one, and we'll check with you all next week.